and welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is Court Winsett. I'm always here, Katie. <laughs> always here. Cam, he is on a much-deserved vacay right now, so hopefully we can do this you without just him. said vacay. <laughs> That's a thing. Do people not say that anymore? No, they don't. Oh, well, I guess I'm showing my age. But even though we don't have we Cam do have, here. We have somebody other than Cam. Yeah, we've got Ethan Johnson. Yes, sir. Ethan, say hey. hey. Woo, hey, there he is. Very cool. So Ethan is in uh, Alabama right now. And so we're in Tennessee. Technology lets Sweet us do this. home, Alabama. A roll Tide? No. Uh, oh, no. No, no Roll Tide. <laughs> Ethan, are you a Tide fan? I'm not. I'm still originally from Fayetteville, Tennessee, so I'm a volunteer all the way. Thank goodness for that. But no you live in a house with an Auburn fan, right? Well, I do. War Eagle, yeah. for goodness sake. <laughs> okay, so the reason we've got Ethan on here is he knows a little bit about houses, and so we've done so many different episodes on different angles of houses, whether it's mortgages, trying to decide if you're renting or buying, And recently, we just did one that talks about prepping to actually sell your home and, you know, hiding those things that don't need to be shown at showings and making sure that, you know, when you're showing your house, you're ready for the hustle and bustle of you got to get out because somebody wants to look at it. So with this episode, we really thought we could ask Ethan some questions about building homes and kind of the process of that. But before we get into it, you know, we like to throw some pop culture in here and have some fun. So we've got our list. Ethan, I know you don't have the list, so Court and I are going to go through it, and then I want you, uh, if you want to, chime in. Feel free to commentate, whatever you want to do. Okay. So, the 10 most expensive celebrity homes. Take it away, Court. Oh, I have to take it away? Take it away. You get the first one. Okay. Number one is Taylor Swift. $30 million, 1934 Georgian restoration estate with seven bedrooms and 10 bathrooms. I assume it's in Franklin, Tennessee. Brentwood. I guarantee you she's got a lot of land and there is a lot of happiness going on there because that that area is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Actually, this list is in reverse. So Taylor is the cheapest home out of this top 10. Oh, all right. Okay, the so next one, down. yeah. Next one is Kylie Jenner. $36.5 million. Good. Property offers the owner the ideal setting to entertain guests with seven bedrooms, 14 bathrooms, 20 parking spaces, a bar, game room, home theater, a chef's kitchen, and a pool that flows through the house. What? My word. So you're just like sitting there in the kitchen making a sandwich and somebody's just like floating through your house on the pool? Like what? <laughs> what is that? So next one is Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. She is a $45 million, 13-acre Tuscan Okay, listen, Tuscan style anything is basically my jam. I love Under the Tuscan Sun. I love anything Italian. You know, my Bobby, she's ready to go and move to Italy and never come home. But Uh, you have to do an episode every week, so uh, can't go too far. Tuscan style mansion in the 1930s, including nine fireplaces. Obviously, because who doesn't want some fireplaces? (laughs) Nine fireplaces, numerous libraries. They are so numerous, they can't even count them. It's just, the word is numerous. It's not even... They better have the ladder from, like, Beauty and the Beast where you can, like, slide across the room. Two pools. Okay, listen, I don't like pools. I'm not a fan of pools. Mm -hmm. And also a tennis court. And I do have one of those, and I also have never played on it. So, (laughs) that's fine. Okay, moving on. Tiger Woods, 54.5 million, has a basketball slash tennis court. 
a 100-foot lap pool, 60-foot diving pool spa, uh, four putting greens, of course, I mean, that makes sense, he's Tiger Woods, a putting studio, a running track for all the elements of this home. Wait, wait a second, what is a putting studio? I don't, what is a putting studio? I don't know, I don't play golf. Ethan, do you play golf? I do. I mean, it's just literally an indoor arena with a bunch of different stuff set up. I mean, different slopes. He, I think he actually has stuff where he can adjust it for different slopes and greens. Of course he does. I mean, he's Tiger Woods. <laughs> he is. Okay, give us the next one. That's a fun one. Tom Cruise. $59 million. 10,000 square foot. Colorado. Colorado. I love Colorado. Features floor to ceiling windows that take full they take full advantage of the picturesque mountain vistas on the outskirts of telluride i would not want to wash those windows that would suck i'm sure he hires somebody but still oh we got angelina jolie Mm -hmm. 61 million with a thousand acres enclosed by a moat angelina jolie's chalet in the south of france elevates the idea of living in a castle to an entirely new level it contains 35 rooms, a dining oh hall, a pool, and a his and hers gym in addition to its own vineyard. Why do you need a his and hers gym? Why I, because is that guys thing? and girls work out differently. And so like the guy will probably want to have all the weights and stuff like that. And she may want to have like a ballet bar and, um, you know, Pilates stuff or ellipticals or I don't know. No. Okay. So there's no biomaster no man's gym. Yeah, there you go. The thigh master. <laughs> okay, so next one is Jay-Z and Beyonce. $88 million. $88 million. Uh, Bel Air Estate, obviously. It boasts a basketball court, a full-service spa, four outdoor swimming pools, and a 15-car garage. Now, I would really like to get into what cars are in that garage. Because oh, sure I guarantee ridiculous. you they are some spectacular cars. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, the next one, George Lucas. Oh, my word. 100 million. He gave away $4 billion. Listen, when he sold Star Wars to Disney, Uh he sold it for $4 billion and gave all of the $4 billion away. He probably had a financial reason for why he was doing that with taxes and just all of that. So I'm sure there was a reason behind that. Ethan, I'm not giving away $4 billion. Are you? (laughs) No, no, I'm absolutely not. No. Okay. So George Lucas is $100 million. And again, these are probably these people's like one of their properties. They probably have multiple. So George Lucas has a $100 million, the Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. It's a traditional style mansion on 26 acres. Got its name from the legendary film, of course. Um, there's no chance that the filmmaker will ever become bored with this home. It has a 300-seat theater, so him and all his friends. Vineyard, outdoor pool, farm animals. That's fun. <laughs> I actually have a friend who got married at Skywalker Ranch. Um, yeah. what? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name check, but I do have a friend who got married there. And you just I mean, flexed. Like, that <laughs> is an awesome. That yeah. is an awesome. And George Lucas also has bees for producing honey. So I'd like to picture sweet old little George out there playing with his goats, milking the cows, and getting honey, right? I don't know, man. (laughs) Not me. All right. Okay. Uh, Next is George Clooney and his wife, Amal. Mm -hmm. $100 million Via Alejandra in Laglio, Italy. I mean, that I would love to have a Via in Italy. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I would take a small Via in Italy and, and, and be very happy about it. 
Okay, the last one on this list, um, the most expensive from the celebrity houses, Bill Gates. Bill. 125 million mega mansion took seven years to build. So he obviously, uh, as we're going to talk about in this episode, he obviously had to have a plan of where he was going to live while this house took seven years to build. They probably just bought another house (laughs) to live in while they were building this other house. I mean, Bill and Melinda Gates, obviously they have, within the last couple of years, they've broken up and gone through a divorce and basically taken their fortune and split it. Uh Uh-huh. And... Should have had a prenup. I mean, I know they did. Well, no, I bet they did. Yeah. Yeah. Listen... Melinda is, is out there. She's she's not like, uh, what's his name? Amazon guy. Bezos. Bezos. His wife, man, she's out there. She's just like spending money to, <laughs> to piss him off, I think. Okay, so Bill Gates, obviously this mansion is ridiculous, um, but it, some of the features has famous artwork, a salmon-filled man-made stream, and a trampoline room. So he's got like a get air in his house. Lord. But I mean, that's the thing is you think about it. I don't know if y'all remember the movie Richie Rich. And how he had like a McDonald's in his house and had like a basketball court. And so it's kind of one of those people with money will then spend it on really stupid stuff. But then people who have a decent amount of money when they're going to build, that's where they get in trouble. And I know, you know, Ethan in a second is probably going to talk to us about that. But how you see a sticker price of, hey, this house is going to cost you X amount. But then what gets you is like, oh, well, I want a theater room. Okay, so Ethan, tell us who you are, what you do, and what's going on. (laughs) So my name is Ethan Johnson. Uh, I am a senior community construction manager for a builder here in North Alabama. I've been building houses for going on five years now, thanks to a good friend of actually mine and Katie's who got me into this. Prior to that, I was a custom trim guy and custom cabinet builder. You were probably somebody that somebody like you would have worked with now, back in the day, when you were building the cabinets, then you would have ended up finding somebody like that. So explain to me what exactly a senior community construction manager, what do you do? So on a daily basis, essentially, I'm walking houses through all their stages from dirt ground to the complete finished product with a homeowner. So daily, in and out of every house, communicating with subcontractors, uh, sending updates to home buyers, scheduling essentially is just the name of the game did they show up on time are they going to show up on time and then you know building on top of that to get the house done as quickly as you can but still get it done correctly so are you a micromanager would you say i can be with the crews that i have now not so much um where i get to build i am the furthest south in alabama that my company builds for so with a lot of our subcontractors coming out of huntsville i get everybody's one-off guy which doesn't sound great until you realize that I get to build every single house with the same crew, the same guys every time. That's got to be nice because y'all got your flow. You know how to work together. If there's a situation, then you've got that understanding versus, oh, these are a bunch of new rookies and you don't know what you're doing. Very much so. Um, Working with this group of guys, I can actually take vacations without having to answer the phone constantly. (laughs) As you're explaining it, I'm picturing you are the guy that has to give the good news, the bad news. You are the person that... You know, you're you're keeping everything moving. And so I'm sure there's some uh, some very rewarding times when you're able to call house owner and say, hey, we're moving ahead. And then other times where you've got to give the bad news that we're going to be delayed. Yes, we actually do not give dates until we know exactly when we get it. Okay. So we know in the stages of our house, like whenever I'm putting cabinets in a house, I know that I'm roughly two months out. 
we will not let the homeowner know until we are a month out. One of the reasons we do this, I mean, whenever you're trying to lock in rates and stuff like that, that stuff expires after 60 days, which I'm sure that y'all know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so we, I, I know that. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I don't. Why would I know that? Because we've done all the mortgage episodes. Oh, you okay. know that. Yes. So most of that expires after 60 days. So whenever we know within 30 days we're going to get done, we let them know this is the day that we are going to close your home. We are going to be ready for you. You can go ahead and set up everything that you want, moving trucks, because this is when it will be. I mean, that's a smart approach because obviously, you know, we're a financial podcast and if someone decided they wanted to buy a home, then I think what seems to be happening is people are just getting excited about it. They sell their current home and are expecting, oh, it's going to be ready in a year, six months, something like that. And it's not. And so I guess maybe kind of talk about some of the struggles with kind of COVID right now, because obviously we're past it, but are you experiencing any of the supply chain issues that are really delaying your homes being able to move as quickly as they may have previous? Not as much as we were. Now, obviously everything pre-COVID still had its issues, but from 2020 up until middle of 21, things were just atrocious because it was just, it was a comedy of errors really, because if you ever got one thing back on track, I know for a long time, we couldn't get tankless water heaters well if you don't have a tankless water heater you can't hook up gas you can't get your electrical inspections you can't get anything because you're missing this one particular product that you have to use mm. well whenever that finally comes in all of a sudden electrical panel boxes the uh, the breaker box that you see inside of your garage or the uh, the meter can that's on the outside that actually holds your electrical meter same thing whenever you can't get that for four weeks it literally halts everything i had a uh, another superintendent that i worked with he had some homeowners that uh we're getting kind of ill at him because of bill times and they were seeing the delays through the updates and they said well we just don't understand why all this is happening you know y'all told us that it would take you know eight months to 11 months and you know we're getting close to an 11 month mark and <laughs> he told her he said well ma'am i never thought there'd be a time where i couldn't buy toilet paper but it's the world that we live in that's <laughs> true yeah that's people are when they're spending a lot of money they're not patient <laughs> I think is the issue. Now, I, I live in a new build neighborhood. And so obviously I made the decision. We ended up buying a property that was already done because I knew I was going to be that pain in the ass client for you that would keep changing stuff and not being able to make decisions and would delay the process. So um, <laughs> I knew that about me, but I'm also seeing kind of what you're talking about is it looks like these houses are done, ready to go, but it's they're missing those key components, missing those caps, missing those water heaters, things like that that are crucial. And and I don't think people have that understanding that it's a ripple effect. You've got to have one thing before the next. Right. And one thing that people relate to, and I can remember, you know, even my father telling me this as a kid, because I, mean, I do work for a production builder. And even Katie, now your home, I know it's done by our production builder, but were they completely production or are they semi-custom? Like, can you could you move walls and stuff? Yeah, if you pay the money, you can really customize it. Okay, so in our plans, you know, we don't we don't move walls or anything like that, but we do have pre-construction meetings whenever people sign a contract. So they can still add whatever they want into the house. I mean, they could add a plug every three feet if they want to. They can add any kind of trim that they want. But after they make these decisions... Within that meeting, that is it. So we were able to give them a price on what the house will be with options they have picked, and nothing deviates from that. So that is one reason that we are actually able to move that fast. What, what I was going to say about moving fast is people relate fast to not having the same quality. Yeah, that's true. What is the average turnaround time from dirt to somebody moving in for you? 
I want to say from contract right now. So the day that they decide they want the house is somewhere between six and eight months. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that's a lot faster than I was thinking. We've got a building that's been going, that's been <laughs> in the building stage for over a year now. Yeah. And that's, oh, wow. yeah, we're looking at it and we, it keeps being delays and it's, we've got delays with like MLG and W, our light gas and water company, trying to get them to come out. And before they could come out, then, you know, you can't, there's not heat on, there's not electrical. So that's been delays that it's not even so much our contractor, our company we're working with. It's all these other people that are not even, that are associated with the city. Yes. Uh, municipalities are not kind in a lot of areas. Um, I know when building in Huntsville, you can call in an inspection. And as soon as you call it in, they are on a 72 hour window and you have no idea when they're coming. So they could come on that third day, find one little thing and fail you. You don't realize it for two more hours whenever you finally get the email. Well, now you're another four days behind on an inspection because you've got to get that fixed and then call them back. Well, and I would think you'd have to be super organized with, you've got all these different houses you're juggling. And if one of them gets halted for something, then it's obviously you're, y'all aren't just going to sit and be like, oh, well, we can't work on it. It's halted. You're going to be moving to other projects. Generally, there's always something you can get done inside the house. Whenever it starts getting later and you don't have power, things do get difficult. Um, I am actually dealing with a municipality issue right now. They have changed the way that we run our underground electrical conduit, where we cannot use an outside contractor anymore. We have to go through the city. Mm-hmm. Well, like we just said, the city does not really care about your timeline. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I have had houses sitting without power for two and a half to three weeks. The insides are done, but I cannot clean them. I cannot finish my paint until I have power on my home. Which in situations like we're kind of having right now where it's frigid outside, you've then got to worry about pipe burst and all kinds of issues because there's no power in there, no heat. Correct. We've actually been winterizing houses all week to, to deal with this. There's nothing more fun than busting a $1,300 water heater. Oh, I'm sure. And that's something that probably it's on you guys and not the homeowners because they haven't taken possession at that point. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, no, no, no. listen, if I if I haven't bought the dang house yet, <laughs> I'm not going to be responsible for the issues that come up. I yeah. mean, I, as a lawyer, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no, <nah>, sorry, <laughs> not my problem yet. <laughs> I know everybody's a little different, but like with y'all, is it one of those that somebody signs a contract, they're putting down a deposit, essentially. Um, What I'm getting to is, do you have issues where people sign on, they're going to buy this house, and then it takes too long, and they end up backing out of it, and then y'all are left with a house that's customized to this person, and they've walked away from it? Not very often. Uh, do we, do we ever lose a contract anyways? I would have thought that you were like, yeah, no, that happens all the time, but it's not that frequent. No, no, not at all. I mean, the, the last time we had somebody back out of a contract, uh, we had a finished spec home. So this home is 100% complete, ready to move in. And they were building the exact same home in a different phase of the subdivision. Well, the couple decided they didn't want to wait the six to eight months for me to build their home and decided they liked this one just as well. So they were able to transfer their deposit from that lot into this spec home that we were able to, to get them into within the next three weeks. And uh, we were actually still able to keep the house that they were going to build. We took off some of their options because, I mean, it was very individually specific. But we're still going to build their house as another spec house now. That's awesome that you're able to, you know, make lemonade out of lemon or whatever the (laughs) phrase is. Yay, lemonade. (laughs) No, it's because 
I, I know that's happened in my neighborhood where people have finished and I mean, it's been super customized and down to like really funky chandeliers and all of that. And then they're got to, they've got to now try and sell it. Of course, I mean, these people didn't walk away without having to shell some money out, but that seems to, at least in the Memphis area, that seems to be happening. So maybe people in Alabama are a little bit nicer. Million dollar homes over in, in the Shady Grove area in Memphis. That's where the big giant, lots of money put in. And there are people over there that have leather floors. Leather floors. What what is even what? What, what is that? I don't I don't even understand. But that yeah, they, 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 there are people there's a house in, in, in the Shady Grove area that has leather floors i mean i wouldn't mind having leather floors but i don't understand why you would put out that expense that's gotta be costly okay they Uh, they are obviously not dog people no so with that and obviously you don't you don't have to throw anybody under the bus name names but have you experienced any kind of weird request with building homes no but only because i don't work in the custom field okay but, now, but you've did, seen it, you know, probably. Oh, yes. Now, whenever I was building custom cabinets, we saw a lot of different stuff. Uh, we put in, you know, Murphy doors, which is like a cabinet on hinges that swings out to expose a hidden room. Yes. Now, I want a <laughs> hidden room. Oh, my word. I've got to have one. <laughs> so, actually, in some of the houses that we build in our Atlanta division, they have things like that. I mean, they have the beautiful glass case wine racks that are underneath your stairs. And we actually do have Murphy doors that will go downstairs into like a speakeasy that has card tables and a pool table and a small bar set up. Oh, that's make Court so happy. He's I like, just got really excited. He's yeah. about to hire you to do that. That's fine. We'll take you, man. You just got to move to Atlanta. We don't build them in Alabama. <laughs> Well, I've got a kid in now in in Atlanta, so I'll I'll come over there. I'll build him something. I don't know. I, it'll be fantastic. It'll be amazing. Yeah, one point two million dollars gets you a lot. Ooh. Oh, damn. Well, I don't have that, but I'll start saving. <laughs> and see, y'all are in finance. Y'all know the bank will loan you money every day. Oh yeah, if you got good credit, you'll get it. You'll get the money. But I mean, obviously, on the flip side of that is when people are talking about building, working with you, working with the customization team, they need to think about. Is this their forever home? Because just because they want, you know, a Murphy door with a secret room or they want different things. Uh, like who that. doesn't want a Murphy door with a secret room? I'm sorry. It's but really, who doesn't want that? I, I mean, it's funny that y'all say speakeasy because I had my friend Kimba stop by and she goes, Katie, you need to make a speakeasy in your house. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I want to be able to like open up a, a door in the floor and go downstairs into a speakeasy. That's called a tornado shelter or something like that, oh, isn't my it? God. Like they, That's what I call it a basement. Yeah, a basement, which we don't have in Memphis because of floods. Okay. Midtown has basements. Anyways, my point is, is when people saying. are trying to resell, they need to think about like, or when they're building this house, they need to think about, is this, this their forever home? Or are they making it so customized that it's going to be impossible to try and sell because you have furry walls and leather floors? Like, that's just kind of weird. You know, I've experienced, again, on this end, um, Couples that have broken up, they've gotten into the process, worked with someone like Ethan, and then by the time the house is built, they've divorced, they've broken up, something has happened, and now they're trying to immediately flip it. So have you seen any of that, Ethan, where people maybe have taken possession of these homes, but then pretty soon put them back on the market? Uh, one time I was working for a different builder still in North Alabama. A gentleman was buying a house with his then-girlfriend. 
pre-sold home. They were the ones that picked the options in it. And uh, about a month before we were getting ready to sign his contract and close, he called our realtor and said, I have an issue. Me and my significant other have broken up, and uh, we're just not sure what to do about the house. Well, being that he was already under contract, our realtor, in the nicest way she could possibly tell him, said uh, he had two options. He could buy the house, or he could buy the house and resell it. But either way, he was buying the house, whether he broke up or not. Yeah, so the financial lesson would be maybe don't build a house with your girlfriend. <laughs> like, Wow, that's what you took away from that? <laughs> no, I... Jeez, you're I mean, a very negative it person. Is, it is a very large <laughs> investment. It's a very large thing to do. So it you is. need to make sure it's somebody. It's one of the biggest investments you're ever going to make. Exactly. I think. You need to make sure it's with someone who is in it with you for the long haul. Make sure it's somebody who isn't going to screw you over. That if you're the one, that's, your name is the only one on the note, and then they're just going to walk out. Or maybe their name is the only one on there, and you're going to get kicked to the curb. <laughs> We, we got to have the financial lesson in here, Court. Yeah, well, no. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the financial lesson. I just, your financial lesson, the, the takeaway from this episode apparently don't is... Don't have a house with your girlfriend. Don't get a house with your girlfriend. That's not what I meant. <laughs> you always pick on me. I mean, it sounds like Ethan's not like the Money Pit movie that, you know, two weeks, two weeks. Oh, listen. Do I, you know I, that I, movie, Ethan? Uh, I don't. Seriously? I don't watch a ton of movies. All right. We're going to have a talk. <laughs> but yeah, I think what you were trying to say is it's it's a joke in y'all's industry, that phrase, the two weeks. Yeah, yeah. That's always the joke in construction. You know, just two more weeks. Two more weeks. Well, and like one of your favorite movies or a movie you like, Court, The House Sitter with Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin. Where no, he, he, I don't I don't like that movie at all. Whatever. Well, he builds a house. For, no, Bobby likes that movie. Well, okay. I mean, I'm just saying. Steve Martin mm-hmm. builds a gorgeous house. And he's going to propose to his girlfriend and gift gift her the house, mm-hmm. and she breaks up with him. Yep. And he drunkenly tells Goldie Hawn at the bar that he had just met about this beautiful house. So then she goes and moves in. Yep. So be careful who you're telling people about your house. That's the other lesson. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Ethan, what kind of advice would you give if you were, you know, talking to our listeners here about trying to make the financial decision about buying a house, choosing to build this house essentially and working with someone like you, what kind of advice would you give? Biggest thing is just stay within your budget, man. It can can be so easy to sit down and see all these options and, oh, we can do this and do this and do this. If it's not something you can do, you just don't need to do it. And again, I know I joked earlier, but the bank will loan anybody money. Yeah. And that's what you initial thing. If it's like, okay, I'm going to build a $300,000 house and then quickly custom trim, things like that. You're looking at a half a million dollar house, which then now your mortgage payment is going to be totally different. You have not built that into your budget. So maybe it's one of those that if you know yourself, when you look at the sticker price of what you're buying, build in a comfortable budget of wiggle room of what you may be adding to the house and having that. And on the other side of it is that because obviously it sounds like you're very on top of telling people, setting realistic expectations of when they're going to be able to be in this house. Some people are not. And especially if you're not building with a company or maybe you're building yourself, um, having that plan of your exit strategy of how you're getting out of your current place is going to be really important to make sure you're not quote unquote homeless or you know, having to tack on more rent if you're renting, things like that. Yes. Again, I'm, I'm very blessed. And the reason I do like working for the production builder that I work for is because I can be so upfront and honest with people. 
is, I mean, I, I mean, I will tell people, I'm probably going to lie to you at some point because <laughs> you underpromise and overdeliver. Uh huh. And as long as I can stick with my timeline, everybody is still happy. But you know, whenever uh, we have a lot of process we go through as we're building the house, and we meet with the homeowners quite a bit. So uh, one of the first meetings I have with them is their pre-construction meeting, where we have just put their forms up for the concrete for the slab. Uh, maybe we've got their plumbing already run in it. And this is where I'll go over all their options in the house to make sure everything that they selected is what I have on my paperwork. So not too long after that, after we pour the slab, get the house drained and get all their mechanicals roughed in, their HVAC, electrical, plumbing, I will walk the house with the homeowners again just so they can see everything within their walls, see any options I can show them before we put up any sheetrock. And out of five years, there has not been one homeowner that asked, well, from here, how long do you think it's going to take? And I have to tell every one of them, I cannot give you an answer on that. Weather still affects stuff on the outside. We're not completely dried in yet. You know, maybe we haven't even insulated yet inside of the home. But again, it's better for me to be honest and to tell you, oh, yeah, no, I'll be done in six months. Do it. And then it rains for three weeks. Now you don't have brick or driveway or vinyl siding, and it's taken three extra days for the mud in your sheetrock to dry. Well, now we're over scheduling. You're mad at me because I told you six months. Rain, I mean, it seriously has a huge impact to it. And people are like, what do you mean? You're building a home. No, rain can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, between rain, inspections, anything else. Uh, poor couple I'm building for now. <laughs> I had them scheduled at their pre-construction meeting. I told them, you know, weather pending because we knew there was some coming in. We're going to pour your slab on this day. Well, it rained that day, so we had to move it a week. And bless their hearts, the next week, it <laughs> rained again. Oh. So we lost two weeks of just trying to get concrete in their slab. And that just pushes the whole process back. But, I mean, it sounds like you're really doing a good job of keeping the homeowner involved from the beginning. You're... You're doing your job of double checking every step of the way. So then they've got opportunities to kind of like, no, this isn't right or change their mind there. But then it's like, okay, we're not going backwards. This is what we're doing. Let's go. If I'm doing my job correctly, there's nothing that a homeowner will find to say, hey, this isn't right. That's good. Are you seeing any kind of slowdown? Um, you know, obviously the economy is in an interesting spot right now. Interest rates on mortgages are going up. We're seeing, you know, upwards of six, almost 7%. Do you see any slowdown in your industry of people building? Oh, absolutely. Building spec houses in general has come to almost a complete halt because builders don't want to drop a house nobody's going to live in and pay on that home hoping somebody buys it. So I went from having, you know, these sitting spec homes to now pretty much only doing pre-sale houses with people who have picked out lots and say, I want to build this house just like this right here. It's also changed the dynamic. Um, this time last year, whenever interest rates were still in the fours, you know, or even less than that, the three fives. A lot of younger people were able to get in really nice houses because they could afford it with those interest rates. Well, now the demographic is retirees, people in the mid-50s, you know, uh, empty nesters, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely in a switch for sure. And you may not be able to answer this question, but because obviously the work's kind of slowing down, you're not building these specs, are you having issues with, um, you know, your the staff, the different people you're working with that – if it keeps slowing down, there may be issues there of having to, you know, end up losing those relationships or losing those individuals just because there's not enough work. I mean, that is always a possibility. Honestly, from as fast of a pace as we've been on since roughly 2017, it's kind of nice to slow down just a little bit. I mean, everybody is really starting to regroup, and, you know, still, still putting out quality products all the time, but tensions are not as high. You know, the arguments have come down from, well, why can't you get me this? Why can't you do this here? We scheduled this three weeks ago. Yeah, so it's probably a but, nice uh, breath of fresh air just to kind of take a little bit of a break. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, it, it has it has been a wild ride for the past five years. <laughs> well, and hopefully, you know, things change and we've got a situation where those younger individuals are able to buy houses because it's it's definitely something we've talked about before how this is the largest investment you make and um it is an investment in your future and in yourself and lord the cost of renting right now is insane and you're not i mean you're not you're throwing your money away in essence but obviously it's okay for some people if you have to like i'm not i'm not come on i'm not no i'm not downing it's fine running. it's if it fits within Maybe your financial plan hyper demographic no it if it fits within your financial plan it's a smart decision at that time yes absolutely but i think most people's end goal is to one day settle down and have a house and that option, as you said, Ethan, is it's harder now because of those interest rates. And so that's where it's an opportunity for those that are renting to try and find ways to start saving now for those down payments. So then if we see a fluctuation in interest rates, then we can get you that house. And no, I'm not bashing on renters court. Like Not now. <laughs> I redeemed myself. It's I, I everybody everybody is wonderful. <laughs> All right, we're going to close it out. We can close it out. Ethan, um, it has been awesome talking with you. I really appreciate the insight. All right. Oh! And there's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie Cameron, go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment. You can suggest a topic if you want to hear us talk about something. Or you can even throw your name in the hat to be selected as a potential guest on our episode if you feel like you've got something that you would be particularly well-suited to talk about. We also have pictures. If you like pictures, boy, do we have pictures. Those pictures are on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we have a Twitter handle. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We also have a page on Facebook. You can check us out there. And finally, you've heard us talk about our boss today, David Pickler. You know the three of us work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about what it is we do, the financial advisory services that we offer, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you a whole lot of information. You know what to do with it. For now, I'm going to sign off. I'm Court. I'm Katie. And we're out. <laughs>